nope, that's not what it says. What is up? What is up? Nope showers. I'm really glad that you're back listening to the newest episode from Nope. That's not what it says. Um, We're here to talk about the whys behind the things and help us uh, be encouraged during this crazy, crazy pandemic of a time we find ourselves in. So my special guest today is Laura Marty. She is the sister of one of my favorite professors from seminary, and she is a microbiologist. She's living in North Carolina right now. She's a mom of four, all-around superwoman is what Laura is. And in this episode, she really breaks down some practical things that we can do. Um, I don't know about you, but as a mom and a wife and just a human being in general during this global pandemic, um, there's a lot of fear mongering. There's a lot of mixed information coming out from even the scientific community. Um, So being able to sit down with her and do this phone interview was really, really great. She gives insight into the practical everyday things that she does as a mom and microbiologist to keep her family safe. And she also breaks down some of the ins and outs of, you know, NDAs for the FDA. If you don't know what that is, Laura's going to explain it to us. Um, And she also helps us navigate a little bit of the the vaccine world and how we can um, just do our best to maintain our sanity, but also maintain our health during a time of of global outbreak with the Corona COVID-19 virus that's going around. So I'm glad you're here today. Nope, shower. Nope, showy. Haven't decided what we're calling ourselves yet, but if you've got a suggestion, drop it in the comments on our Instagram or our Facebook page. And I hope you enjoy this time with Laura Marty, microbiologist, mom extraordinaire. Mm. Welcome to the Nope Show, Laura. Thank you. I'm really glad you're here. I'm also here with Dr. Doug Petrovich, who is... um, just one of my favorite people in the universe. So he was my seminary professor for all my language classes, my uh, context classes, ancient Near Eastern culture classes. um, And it's just an all around genius. So both of these people are highly intelligent. Their parents are adorable. I've had the privilege of meeting them um, and just wonderful family. So I'm glad that you're both here and taking time to do this. It's so great to be here with you, Samantha. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we're going to jump in with Laura first. Laura is a microbiologist and she has been in the game for 12 years and then in the mom game for an extra 20. So we are really grateful for your expertise all around, Laura. Oh, thanks. Um, Expertise in the science realm, but also in in the mom realm it's really it's really awesome so you worked for magal labs which is now b brown in irvine california right. and then baxter healthcare in la after that right cool will you just tell us a little bit about what you were doing um during your time kind of in the field working in the lab sure um so i started after college at magal and that is um a pharmaceutical that makes large volume parenterals, which is basically IV solutions and other things that are needed for hospitals. And I worked in quality control for all of that time. Um, so I worked in a couple of different laboratories that were there, a particulate matter laboratory, a microbiology, um, sterilization labs, and, and just generally um, things that were related to the manufacturing of these products and, and 
and we were really looking to make sure from a microbiology standpoint that our products were safe for people that were going to be getting them in the hospital that that um, it was sterile because this was going to be going in as an IV. And so, we would, you know, all the things that that are involved in that monitoring our environment um, in the manufacturing area, making sure there weren't any, you know, bugs that were getting through that would be dangerous to people. Right. So you have a unique understanding of the spread of germs, which is trending at this at this point in history. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. And then what about at Baxter Healthcare? What was that like? Yeah, Baxter was a little different just because it was a different process. It, it, um, it was steam sterilization at McGaw and it was um, aseptic fill, aseptic processing at, at Baxter. So it was a, that was more of a bio biotech side of Baxter and Baxter is um, centered out of Chicago, Illinois. They also um, were McGaw's competitors for uh, IV oh, wow. solutions. So, uh, you know, it was interesting to work for both companies. Um, but part of what I did to it at both of them was, was helping with um, the, the drug applications, NDAs, new drug, drug applications that we would submit to the FDA for approval. And so uh, that helps me to understand some of what they're going through when they talk about getting new viral, uh, antiviral therapies or these vaccines, um, going through the clinical trials and the approval process. It's just a long process to really show the efficacy of these drugs and uh, to show that they're safe for people and all of that. So that was a little little part of my background that it comes into play too. Totally. And then as a mom for 20 years, you have right. a, a wealth of information on how to keep, you know, your family well, how to keep your family safe from environmental threats, from viral threats. And um, <laughs> we're just really, we're really glad that you're here to give us some truth. Well, because as yeah. a mom, yeah, you know, as a mom, many of our listeners are, are parents of young kids and there's a lot of information I would personally say too much information that you know sometimes there's an over overwhelm that's unnavigatable if that makes sense as a parent or even as just a human being that isn't a scientist I am by far not a scientist so thank you for sharing um, your insight and your wisdom and your experience it's really valuable Dr. Yeah, King, I'll just, you, you know, can I just comment on that? I, I was probably the annoying mom because of my background, <laughs> because I was the one that would say, put that butter container away, there could be mold growing in it. And, you know, <laughs> wash your hands 50 times. And uh, let's wipe that down. And anytime anyone had a, a cold or the flu, I would be going around every morning and every night with my Lysol wipes and wiping down doorknobs and faucets, you know, and toilet handles and all of those things. So, um, you know, all with that in my mind, like, we don't know where these things are, but I'm going to make sure and kill them and keep the rest of us <laughs> safe, if at all possible. That's amazing. And I can vouch for this, Samantha. Uh, every time I go into a restaurant and usually, you know, with somebody or some other people, uh, first thing I'll do is go right to the bathroom, wash my hands and come back. And I say, uh, this is because my sister, the <laughs> microbiologist, ingrained in me that I have to wash my hands before I go. eat this meal. So you guys were way ahead of the fashion. Like, I'm late to the party when it comes to, oh, I need to be, I mean, conceptually, sure, we need to clean our houses. But 
the idea that, hey, we should be spraying down our surfaces continually. Do you know how many times hands touch these doorknobs? You know, exactly. you basically gave us the rundown for how to fight coronavirus in our homes. And yeah. Dr. Petrovich, way ahead of fashion with being able to wash your hands. It's kind of amazing talking to people and then being like, well, I don't really wash my hands that often. <laughs> like, oh, no, this is why we have a global pandemic, maybe. Right. So. <laughs> and it comes down to discipline. Hmm. Self-discipline. Sure. Self-discipline and awareness. I think that helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just yep. knowing. Knowing better and doing better. Right. All right, Laura. Well, I have a friend who is, she was in the military for a while. I was just telling Dr. Petrovich before we got you on the call. She um, recently told me, don't be fooled by wearing gloves. Like I see people at the grocery store or, you know, at the bank, wherever, wearing gloves, touching their phones, touching products on the shelves, touching their faces. <laughs> And she's like, you don't understand that those gloves do not keep you safe. Like as nurses, we change our gloves after every single activity. Like mm -hmm. you're beyond cross-contaminating yourself. So could you tell us kind of your perspective on the gloves and masks yeah. kind of revolution? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I understand what she's saying. I'm um and there's there's a lot of debate on those and the masks and everything right now too. So it'll be interesting to see where we land at the end of all this. But but yeah, I, you know, I tell my my mom or dad if they go to the store wear gloves. I tell my my son if he has to go to work wear gloves. But 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 that's knowing that it, if you go with your gloves and then you then you still go touch all those surfaces and then you come back or while you're there you still rub your nose and you still touch your mouth or something with the glove, then you've totally defeated the purpose. So unless you're gonna, you know, immediately uh, or have the self discipline to to wear the gloves not go anywhere near your face with them. As soon as you get out of there, you, you know, you take them off inside out, you know, or outside in and, uh, and not touching the outside surface of the glove. So you can easily just pick up all those same things on the outside surface of the glove. So, so unless you do that or, or, you know, right away, wash your hands when you're done, you take them off or you're carrying your Lysol wipes or whatever disinfectant wipes and you wipe your gloves off um, then yeah, you're not really making any difference if if um, if you're doing those same behavioral things, which is what can contaminate you by you know going towards those open areas of your face. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes, I yeah. love the topic of self-discipline. You Petroviches with your highly disciplined selves. Right. It's important. It's we're all having to learn. I think this complicated lesson that's really simple that's just know better do better like you said hey education and awareness are really important for for us right now and thank you for leading the charge and knowing what to do <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah, detail. yeah we're very detail-oriented people I'll say. yes very exacting yeah. I appreciate it um, so back to vaccines I know you have a little bit of experience in this. What is your take on, I mean, again, in the onslaught of information as just a regular person in the world today, I know nothing other than, you know, pendulum swing perspectives. Either this is the best thing, it's going to heal us all, or, you know, Bill Gates is putting micro markers in this vaccine and it's the mark of the beast. Like, wh where do we <laughs> land in this craziness? 
So what are your thoughts on um, kind of the, the front of vaccines and what's going on there? Yeah, wow. A lot, a lot of thoughts. I don't know if I'll be able to put them all together uh, <laughs> succinctly, but um, first, just want to say that my opinion is that this is not a bioterrorist weapon. It wasn't coming out of, um, I've heard different places now, out of China, out of Israel. Iran thinks we did it, you know, so just put that all aside. This is just nature running its normal course. We have viruses mm-hmm. in the world. I'm not sure why. It's one of those questions that I have for God someday, you know, like, why are there mosquitoes? Why are there viruses? <laughs> but it's all part of the natural world, and it's just what we have to deal with. Um, yeah. and, and so the vaccines then are interesting because it's there are a couple different ways that they make vaccines and you know it's basically either taking a little part of it I think it's uh, called an antigen you know the little proteins are on the outside and then developing something that you would use that as a marker um, that's antiviral or um, or allows your body to develop an immune response to it or you attenuate Mm -hmm. the virus which is you kind of weaken it and so you might, uh, some of the vaccines we have are actually live attenuated viruses, but it's, you know, they're, they're live, but they're weakened. Uh, and so are, but either way, it allows your body to create an immune response. So you develop antibodies to it and um, allow the body, body to be prepared ahead of time, I guess, so that if it's exposed to that virus, you already have that army inside your body that's ready to fight it off. Um, right. And then I oh, I probably had another thought, but I, I lost it already. But um, anyway, so I, I think that the uh, what they're doing in, in response is, you know, in developing these, trying to develop these viruses is, is, is good because what's unusual about this is it's a new virus. You know, I'm sure you've heard the terms novel coronavirus. So it's new novel. Um, Our population hasn't been exposed to it before. It jumped from animal to uh, human. And so whereas we've had the flu for decades or, you know, a long time, we've had as a global population and communities, we it just kind of cycles around and we're used to the flu. We have vaccines. They mutate a little bit each year, it seems like. Um, but it's not too hard to develop these um, vaccines. But this is something completely new. And so it's really just um, exploded in the global population. And um, but we're but because it's new, that that just means that we have we we don't really have what we need to to fight it off quick enough before it's going to do a lot of devastation, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if that answers your question, but totally, totally. Okay, Laura, I have a sibling question for you. Okay. Uh, and I'll start it off by introducing this note. Um, our father is a retired uh, accountant, so he's a bean <laughs> counter, and he's constantly updating mm. me on the stats involved in all of this. Mm. And what he said is that the seasonal flu. Uh, the mortality rate, in other words, those who die from contracting the seasonal flu, die at approximately 0.1%, which means, um, what, one out of a thousand who contract it will die. I think if the numbers are, if I'm understanding that correctly. Well, the very latest info on the coronavirus death rate is 2.55%. In other words, 2.55% 
more than two out of 100 people who contract it in the United States have died or are in the process of dying. Um, so that makes the coronavirus at this point 25 times more deadly than the seasonal flu. Just several days ago, I remember that number was seven to eight times more deadly. So now it's up to 25, 25 times more deadly than the seasonal flu. So um, a question probably a lot of people want to know is what's really the difference between the regular flu and this virus? <clears throat> well, just on the phone. No the, pressure. <laughs> yeah, good question. Let me call the virologist. Um, on, on the first part, just on those rates, you know, uh, I've, I've heard different numbers going around too. So I've like early on when I was following it, probably earlier in March, especially, it looked like worldwide the, the um, lethality rate. And there are different terms that I'm not sure what the distinction is lethality mortality morbidity but but generally the the rate of death um i i saw it initially hovering around 3.5 percent and and yes what 0.1 percent in the u.s i also saw for a flu i also saw 0.8 percent and that may be a worldwide but i i don't quote me on that and those are things that people can look up um but worldwide you know you're going to have differences in populations. And so it, it could hit some places harder than it does in the U S where we have right. a different level of care. Um, there's also something I saw that's case fatality rate versus infection fatality rate. So based on the actual cases that they identify as COVID-19 and the people that then die from it, you have a, a, a rate of death, but there's an infection fatality rate. And then that is a little more, uncertain because they're they're going to have to guess on how many people are actually infected and then based on that how many die from it and they don't have actual numbers as you know we're you know because our testing isn't where it needs to be we just don't have that data to be able to accurate yeah accurately say how many are dying from it. but but yeah I mean Doug those are um, those are pretty much the ballpark numbers I, I did hear Dr. Fauci say 10 percent right something like that. And also the, then the difference between the two, you know, I don't know if I could tell you um, scientifically just as far as the structure of the virus is the difference, but there's just, there's something about a virus being in our population for a long time that we, I've seen people talk about community immunity, community immunity, something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Great word. Um, or phrase, but we just sort of developed this um, ability to fight it off better because, you know, maybe one person has an immunity and I don't know if we somehow pass it on. I don't know exactly how it works, so I'm sorry about that. But um, but this just is so new that it's really hitting us hard. And it's it's also one of the big things that I uh, understand about it is its transmissibility. So its ability to be spread is is at least 10 times higher, possibly 25 times higher than the seasonal flu. So um, they're still figuring out how that's working. But, you know, we've a couple of things. We've had this thing in place of the six foot rule to mm-hmm. be at least six feet from people. And now I'm, I'm reading that that may have been a holdover from the 1930s and may not even be enough 
because not only wow. can the viruses travel as you cough and sneeze, um, but they may travel more than six feet on water droplets that you release. It may be more like 25 feet that they're traveling. And there's a, a associate professor I was reading some of her work that I think is at the University of Maryland, and I don't remember her name, but she's been studying this uh, for a while, I think. So the so and then um, and then MIT, this, Laura, M MIT, maybe M MIT. Yeah, I is saw it? it. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, yep. yep. That might MIT. Be. Um, and then the six foot rule is only intended for when you go out and you absolutely have to be out, you know, doing our groceries, shopping and um, those kinds of things. But it's not meant to be uh, like, let's sit around on our car tops in the neighborhood and still talk to people because we're six feet away. You know, why is that not okay? Because we're still, it, they also know that we can actually just from talking and laughing, we are releasing droplets of water out of our mouths. So if someone is asymptomatic, which doesn't have symptoms, but they possibly are still carrying the virus and they're talking and chatting it up and laughing, you know, a little wind picks up or a breeze or just normal airflow patterns can circulate and, you know, move those viruses around and you know, maybe it's not super likely, but it still could happen. I mean, this thing is just rampant and um, it's it seems to be spreading like like crazy. And I think even before we all knew that it was a thing, you know, back in November is when I think it first started coming out. I first saw something about it probably early January. And I even said to my husband, hey, there's this virus in China I'm going to be following this because something, you know, this could be a big thing. And then, right, you know, it did. Uh, but yeah. I saw New York Times put out a really interesting graphic um, that was um, that showed because of air travel and air, um, you know, patterns that it probably spread all across the world before we even knew it was a big thing. And if the incubation period in people was could be 14 days and up to 25 days before you even knew you were sick with something, then people already were moving around, spreading it, passing it to others, you know, went from China to New York and LA and all around the world. And it, it was just a fascinating thing to see how this was put together um, and how fast it, it's traveling. So in comparison to, I was living overseas in China during H1N1. And that oh. was, you know, kind of, I was early 20s. And that was the my first encounter with kind of a global pestilence, you know what I mean, yeah. that, that was on my radar as, as an adult. Um, in your experience from just even watching these things, knowing your background, your experience in the medical field, and then moving into, you know, the vigilance of a mom, mm -hmm. um, what's the difference in the, you know, the urgency on the inside of you to yeah. really take every measure that you can to keep your, yourself safe, your family safe and your community safe. Yeah. Well, but what I probably initially thought about is just knowing the history of viruses and plagues, you know, uh, kind of humanity history back to ancient Greece and the, Black Death and all of these things, right. uh, the Spanish flu, um, that you that really the only way to stop a virus is to quarantine. Mm -hmm. 
is to, to basically not be in contact with other people because it only, I mean, really a virus they say is not actually alive. It's only alive as it enters a human and goes into our cells and takes over the genetic material and starts saying, let's make viruses. And then it ruptures right. the cell and then those are released. Right. So, um, so really, I, and then I thought is, are people today in our world going to be able to quarantine? And I think it's just so hard, especially for our culture in, in the United States, Mm -hmm. because we're very being independent, doing our own thing, not being told what to do. And so that's really challenging. And I understand that for people um, to, to think about um, I've got to stay in my home. You know, I, I saw, a, f- a friend of a friend online that um, he had had a post about, you know, darn this virus. I'm not going to let it get me down. I'm going to go to this funeral because this person was a mentor to me and blah, blah, blah. Goes down to Florida, I think from North Carolina where, where I'm at. A um, couple of weeks later, he has the coronavirus. His wife has the coronavirus. She goes to the hospital oh, with no. double pneumonia and oh, no. and so you know you can't do that with a virus it you i'm sure you've heard people say it's no respecter of persons it doesn't care what sure kind of it doesn't care what socioeconomic background doesn't care what political party what country you're in right it's just, just gonna it's gonna do its thing and so um yeah. i'm getting away from your your question i think but um you know it's easy for me understanding the science of viruses to say Mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is what we need to do. And no to my son, Nathan, for example, I had to tell him to stop working at a place where he was on a manufacturing floor with 200 mm. people one foot away because he has asthma and he's at high risk. And I just was right. too afraid that something could happen there. So he's trying to do other little, you know, I mean, he needs to make money. He's trying to do what other little sure. jobs he can that are much smaller group of people but basically he did stay home for two weeks and and just the no you can't go see your friends you and so So hard yeah it's so hard but we have to think is it worth it for the inconvenience and the the difficulty of doing this isolation for a period of time and yes it could be a couple weeks but it could also be several months and but we just have to to look at who are we willing to lose and what value do we place on life that, that we Mm. could say, no, my, my freedom is more important. Even if you're, if you're going out and you're putting other people at risk, you know, and, and it's not just older people anymore, although we need to value our, our seniors um, probably more than, than we have. But um, an, an interesting related thing I was just thinking about is looking at places like China and I'm, I'm not a political scientist or anything, but because of the system they have in place, um, this is just me thinking, okay, in my own little mind, but because of the system they have in place, it's, it was actually, you know, their system of government, their politics, it was actually right. easier right. for them to control this virus. And even though they spiked initially, right now they're at a really good place because they could totally lock down their country. Whereas yep. you just can't really do that in the United <laughs> States. Americans are really yeah. uncomfortable with that Even kind of government. That's what we need to do. 
that right. really is, right. it's not meant to take anyone's freedoms away or anything. Just want to say right. that. But, but if you only are looking at the science of the virus, that's what we have to do. And we have to Absolutely. do it. Can I, okay. Can I say this? I just heard this this morning. Um, of course. We, we have to do it the same in every state. And mm. um, if we're not doing it, okay, and this is not meant to be crass, but moms out there, you will understand this, okay? If, if we don't do it the same everywhere, it's like saying there's a peeing section in a swimming pool. Okay, right? <laughs> and you don't have to be a chemist or a microbiologist to understand that. What happens if you do it <laughs> yeah. in this corner, it's eventually going to diffuse all the way through the pool. Okay, so that's what happens. And that's why it's important. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, in another life, I was a political science <clears throat> major. And, huh. you know, in my political science pocket of my mind, it is being able to translate those freedoms, the idea of being um, responsible and valiant citizens that we choose to lay down our freedoms temporarily yes. for the greater good. Yes. And that's something even beyond, you know, communism in, in my experience in China is they have a great understanding of the collective good. Yes. And people are very willing to inconvenience themselves even greatly um, for, for the sake of their larger community. The so I think you community. hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, are we willing to endure the inconvenience? Ugh. You know, that rubs every American yes, wrong. Yeah. The idea of being inconvenienced by another person or, vi- or especially this virus that, you know, you can't see it. Is it real? I don't know. You know, I have a, a thread of text messages from friends who are like, does anyone know anyone who has coronavirus yet? And it's <laughs> kind of in this joking way that yeah. is, you know, can we check our privilege real quick that we don't know anyone who is currently infected with the virus. So um, yeah, I think all of this was excellent information. If you could leave us with kind of anything from your daily routine as a mom and microbiologist to keep yourself sane, um, sane and healthy, or, you know, kind of some insight as to how to diffuse the fear mongering and media driven information and find good sources um, that we can rely upon, you know, just share a little closing wisdom with us. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, little daily routines are, are what I mentioned earlier that I, right. I do, I do keep my disinfectant wipes. And even though our family has been all, all um, basically sheltering in place together, we still make a trip out to the store and, you know, right. here and there. And so I, I do try to just take my wipes and I, I wipe down the, the commonly handled things like uh, doorknobs, f- um, water faucet handles, toilet handles, um, microwave handle, refrigerator, even on the cars, the steering wheel, I might go and wipe those yeah. down, you know, maybe twice a day. I, I don't try, I don't get um, obnoxious about it, but um <laughs> And then when we go out, you know, I've noticed at least here at the stores, they've been really doing a good job of, uh, they have, a lot of them have a person at the front that will spray and wipe down a cart before you get it. Um, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is helpful because otherwise I take the wipes with me then. And I, you know, as soon as I get back in the car, wipe my hands off, wash them when I get home. Um, And 
um, just know, I think just knowing, I, I, I try to tell my, my kids this, that even though you're okay, because one of my boys has had a little harder time wanting to go out, be with other friends who have also quarantined. Sure. But um, I said, you, you, from what I understand, the expert saying, you have to look at every person as possibly carrying the virus, even if they've been at home for two, three weeks, because they could be one of those people that has it and is not showing symptoms and they could still give it to you. And um, so everywhere we go, just knowing that's a possibility. And I don't know. I mean, the, the fear part is hard because in one sense, I was thinking a little bit of healthy fear might be good to might be good yeah sure, keep us sure. from doing aware the, yeah mm-hmm. aware and um being smart about the things that we do um but checking places um uh, that are good sources of information i think is important and if you know everyone has their news networks that they like and don't like but what i've been trying to look for is the experts um so i look for the virologists the epidemiologists and, you know, doctors of infectious disease, people that do public um, health policy and stuff. So I don't know, maybe just to throw a few names out there of people that I've found are Dr. Joseph Fair, Dr. Neil Ferguson, uh, Dr. Ian McKay. I think those are all virologists. And one I think is U.S., one is Australia, one might be British. Um, but I, you know, I keep a, I keep a Twitter account and I don't tweet because I'm an introvert and I don't, and I'm older and I don't, <laughs> you don't you know, need it's, it. It's not the thing <laughs> you don't I, need that. That's right. Yeah. I keep it though to, to learn and read and find information. So I yeah. follow a ton of people. And when this all happened, I found a bunch of new people to follow. Um, uh, also some doctors, Dr. Scott Kim, who I think is an epidemiologist, uh, let's see, Dr. Fahin Yunus, I think it is. It was a medical doctor, doctor of infectious disease. Anyway, I mean, if you start looking, you can start, you can find other people. And then I'd also say the, pay attention to the CDC, the NIH and the WHO websites. They're putting out information constantly. There's something called Worldometer and another website called Live Science. I've found them to have just very, you know, unbiased information. I, I honestly think the Atlantic does a good job of reporting. And I do think the New York Times is doing a good job of reporting things. And if you just try to keep the politics out of it and just what can I learn? Sure. What can I understand? What do I need to know about this to keep my family healthy? Um, you know, learn some of the science. And if you're stuck home with kids, it's an opportunity to teach them something about viruses and um you know, a whole branch of science that maybe they wouldn't normally learn about. So absolutely. I hope that's that's awesome advice. Uh, Yes. As personally (laughs) speaking, I wrote down all of those doctors. names. I wrote down the websites. I will have them posted um, on our Instagram. um, Once we get the podcast up for everyone to hear. So that way they have access to all of those resources. Great. Good. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Laura. It was great to meet you with air quotes and respect social distancing, but still be able to glean some wisdom and yeah. have a great conversation. So 
So you're very welcome. Thank you for calling in all the way from the East Coast. Yeah. And we hope you stay well. Keep washing your hands. Keep wiping down those surfaces. And we're all going to take a page from your book and do the same. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Laura. So you heard it right here from Laura Marty, microbiologist and mom extraordinaire. Keep washing your hands. Clean your surfaces with a good disinfectant. Uh, Education and awareness are key for each of us. If you're interested in those resources that Laura spoke about uh, via Twitter handle or maybe a website resource, we will have those posted for you on our Instagram feed and you can do your own research and find your own way of coping with um, this global pandemic we find ourselves in. Stay tuned. The next few episodes are going to be with Laura's wonderful brother, Douglas, Douglas Petrovich, one of my favorite people. Obviously, you heard that on the episode, Uh, but he's going to talk about more of the spiritual side of how do we keep ourselves well during a crisis like this? How do we keep faith stronger than fear while we're doing our best to cope as humans in a crisis? So I love each of you. I'm super glad that you decided to tune in. I'm sorry for the wait from the most previous episode till this one, but you know, hey, we all got to dip, duck, dodge, and dive in this dodgeball of a world. Um, (laughs) And so just stay safe out there. If you're coughing, cover your mouth. If you're crying, dry your eyes. It's all going to be okay. We're going to make it through this together. I love you guys. God is good. That's not what it says.